0: Good morning and welcome to worship at Rehoboth. I know that you're not here in a physical sense, but you're in the comfort of your own home, but we're still worshiping together, and I want to praise God for that. Whether it is um, a regular occurrence for you, if you worship with us from week to week, or maybe you're just tuning in and checking us out, or would love to worship with us in the future, because that's what we'd love to have you do. So we're glad that you're here and that you're worshiping with us this morning. As we start our time of worship, I have just a couple of things I'd like to call your attention to. One is... Decisions about worship and events that take place here at Rehoboth are being decided week to week, so I just want to encourage you to continue to check our website and our Facebook page, look for the post, that will let you know what it is that's happening so you can stay informed. And one of those things that's happening is a food distribution that's happening from four to six on Fridays, and I just want to give a shout out to all the people, wonderful volunteers from the body of Christ here who are being a part of that. Uh, We have the privilege of partnering together with Community Hope Foundation and feeding america and it, it's just been a blessing to see and how we've been able to be the hands and the feet of jesus christ so if you know of someone to need or, or if that's you um, or if you're just not too sure that you want to get out to the grocery store stop by and pick up some groceries it'd be a, a privilege and a blessing for us to provide that in partnership with, with those other agencies and also um just, just a, a, a shout out to everybody who's been doing that but also if you're able to to help donate with that. So to supplement the staples that are provided um, by those agency by the Feeding of America truck, um, consider maybe dropping some off. We're talking about um, snacks and mac and cheese, that kind of thing. There's information about that, details about what it is that you could donate in our communique and on our website, so check that out. Um, also, um, today would, would be the day that we're, we would celebrate uh, a walk through Holy Week. Um, there's still some bags left so you could come today and pick them up um, to help you have that experience with your family and, and use that as a devotional time and a learning time for you and your kids. Great opportunity. I also want to uh, note that um, tomorrow night for the Guatemala Go team, we'll be having a meeting. It will be on Zoom there's going to be an email that will be sent to you sometime on Monday prior to that well, that will provide instructions. It'll be an easy thing if you're not acquainted with Zoom. You just would click on a link and instructions will be there. So I just wanted to help people remember, if you're a part of that GO team, to be looking for that and then to join us at 7 o'clock on Monday. Well, we made a decision um, during the course of this past week to launch something that we've been hoping will happen um, for quite a while. And it has to do with um, Kathy Vanna, who's going to be our communications engagement pastor. She's going to transition into that role. It is a launch of a gift-based approach to ministry. And we thought, hey, we started talking about it and thought, hey, now's a good time. Um, people perhaps would have time to be able to fill out a spiritual gift inventory and start that process and so we want to uh, share a, a video clip with you at this time that will kind of help you gain a little bit more understanding about that and and walk through it. So give your attention to um, this time and this information about the launch of a spiritual gift-based approach to ministry. Well, Kathy, um, we talked a little bit this past week about this being a perfect time to launch our gift-based approach to ministry. Um You know, people have some time on their hands. And so really hoping that that's true. It's going to be a perfect time to launch this. And there's um, some things that they need to know. And I know that you've been working on it a a long time in terms of transitioning. It's going to be your key responsibilities when you make that transition. So um, I'm going to give you the floor. Just explain to people as we launch this what it is that um, they can do and and what they need to do to get started on on this gift-based approach to ministry.
1: Yeah, so I just want to tell you a little bit kind of about the the nuts and bolts of how you can get started in taking a spiritual gift inventory. We, uh, Rachel's been working really hard on this, and so she's created a link on our church website where you can click and you can click on Spiritual Gifts right on our homepage. And once you click on that, then you're going to go to a page that allows you to take your spiritual gift inventory. And you can either do that online right there, or you can also uh, do that by taking it on paper. And you could also call the church office if you don't have those options, and we would be happy to send you a spiritual gift inventory by mail, and you can send that back in to us. And then once you get done with that, when we ask you to kind of let your curiosity take over, and there's some ways that you can actually uh, go on there on the website as well, and you can see some of the follow-up. And so we'd encourage you to, to, to do that, to just let your curiosity take over and find out how you're gifted and talk about that at the dinner table. We would encourage this for ages, middle school on up. So if you have a family at home, You know, take the time with your kids to talk about your spiritual gifts and see what surprises you about you or about somebody in your family. And then we're going to be doing some follow up. Hopefully you'll get a call from me within the next two weeks after you take your inventory. And I just like to talk to families about uh, how you're being led, how you've prayed over this and how's God's leading you with your spiritual gifts.
0: Yeah, awesome. And that is a tremendous idea to talk about it with your family um, and, and help. And, and teach kids from the start that they have something to offer the, to, to God. Um, they have great work to God. Um, and, and so what I heard you say, too, is that just, there's some options in terms of how it is that you can take the spiritual, get them toward. that's kind of the starting point. Mm-hmm. And then there's a process from there, right, in terms of getting engaged.
1: Yes. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, the hope is that we would be able to plug people in where they're gifted and people would start to see, wow, you know, like this is how God's uniquely designed me to serve in his kingdom. And this is what I'm passionate about. And this is how I get excited when I start to think about kingdom work.
0: Yeah. Amen. And, and that's really one of the upshots. Um, see that as a, a, a need here in the body of Jesus Christ, um, that we just want to put the right people in the right place. And it makes the, the pool um, wider wider and it makes it deeper in terms of, of the church being able to fulfill its mission and its purpose by, by having a gift-based approach to ministry. And it's biblical. It's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, and, and it will help each person um, to, to be able to understand, to discern their gifts, and then you're going to spend some time with them, right, as part of the process. So, when they, they take the spiritual gift inventory, they get it scored mm-hmm. to help them get engaged in ministry and use those gifts, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so hopefully once people start to see, you know, this is how I'm gifted, we have some places that we need people to fill in in a church. And so we're hoping to put people in there. We're hoping to start some new ministry teams. So, yeah, those are all places. um, Troy's given some great ideas of, hey, here's where I need help or Rachel. Um, So, yeah, I think all of our staff are identifying areas where they have needs, and we're hoping that we can place people where they're passionate and where God's uniquely designed them.
0: Right, and it's going to um, be a way that you're going to be able to personally communicate with people if they fill that gift inventory out. And um, they, they then have their gifts identified and just to get them engaged in ministry. And I think one of the, one of the things um, that is so cool about this is when people really discover how God wired them and then they can see that in action, they can actually start to use their gifts. It just um, turns some light bulbs on and that great worth to God, they figure out, that, that God has not only a place for them, but that they do indeed have great worth to God. And, and they, they just start being who they were created, redeemed, gifted, and called to be. It's really, really cool and exciting. So I'm excited about it. Um, and I know you've been putting a lot of work into it, and so has Rachel. So it's going to be really cool to see um, what happens and, and how God uses it. So is that fair to say that that's true for for you? I mean, you have some excitement about getting rolling with this?
1: Yeah, I feel like this has been, you know, a long time coming and a lot of work on this end, you know, kind of behind the scenes to get this going. But I'm really excited to see where God's going to take all of this. And yeah, I mean, we've been working on this, I feel like, for months and just getting it going and, you know, trying to figure out, yeah, how do these gifts fit in with our unique ministries here at Rehoboth and what god's called us to do as a church
0: yeah that's a great thing because folks we're just not um we're not going to throw a couple darts at the dartboard work and a lot of thought it's going to be really um a great thing and i think something that's going to really help us in terms of fulfilling our, our um, mission and our purpose to god and to do it in a way that really um uh, maximizes resources in terms of people and giftedness so one one um upshot one thing that i wanted to share is um you know people wonder if I take the spiritual gift inventory or maybe they hesitate to do it um, is because then they'll get asked to do something. And the answer to that question is?
1: Definitely. Yes. We're going to plug you in. That's the whole point of this is to get people involved and to see that, you know, your gifts have a
0: special place. Right. And and God never stops using people. So if you think that, you know, your spiritual gifts or you feel like, you know what, um, I've done my time, you know, God has a place for everybody He wants everybody to be engaged in ministry, right? So yeah for sure yeah. anything else you want to add to what it no, is we're doing? is I'm,
1: I'm just hoping that uh this blows up and that i have to say to people you know i was hoping to get back with you in two weeks but we have had such a tremendous response that you know it might have to be three weeks or four weeks so that's my hope with all of this is just seeing tons of responses to the spiritual gift inventory
0: it is going to be awesome and i want to thank you for um Taking the time, I mean, you got some time right now to fill out that spiritual gift inventory. Help us launch this. There's going to be a lot more information. And as you start to engage with Kathy and she has conversations with you, um, you you can ask the questions. The gaps will get filled in for you. And soon, very soon, if you're not right now in a substantive role in ministry and you're trying to figure out who am I and, and how can I be used by God, you're going to find out. And when you do find out, it's going to create joy for you, and it's going to glorify him. Thank you so much. Looking forward to see how this is going to play out um, in the future and and the great blessings it's going to bring um, to the church, to be sure, but to the kingdom of God. Amen. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm so excited about the launch of that gift-based approach to ministry, and I really hope that you take the time, um, even now, uh, to, to fill that out. It's all about um, us helping you to, to figure out who it is that God um, created, redeemed, gifted, and called you to be, to equip you and help you discover your great worth to God. And, and you don't need to be a member. It's just a part of us trying to equip and help people as, as they seek to live a life of, of following Jesus Christ. And, and when we do, and we start to figure that out, how God made us and, and how He um, created us to be, and we start to follow Jesus and we experience um, th- the things freely in terms of, of following Him that He has planned for us in our lives, we really begin to understand who He truly is. That He is indeed, as the praise team is going to sing for us now, a waymaker and a chainbreaker. you uh, so much for the powerful truth of, of that song. And I don't know where you're at um, in this particular moment and what's holding you back and what your chains are. Maybe it's as we're all dealing with the reality of times that we've never faced before. Uh, chains and burdens of anxiety and fears and worries. And I just want to join, I'll ask you to join with me now and join with you in prayer. Would you open up your hearts to the great Lord our God? Almighty One, gracious Heavenly Father, as we worship You, we just want to give You praise for, for the sheer opportunity to worship. Lord, that You've created the circumstances and You best people with the, the capability and the, and the knowledge to allow us to be able to do that together this morning. So that even though we're spread far apart, we're close in heart and we're together in your presence. And I give you praise and I give you thanks for that. And I give you praise and I give you thanks for breaking down those those walls, um, being that prison-shaking Savior that allows us to, to get out of our own comfort zone at times, and maybe especially true in this moment, to be Jesus Christ. Lord, maybe it's a part of serving food or helping out a neighbor, somebody that... Uh, We we know maybe even somebody from work or in our family that just needs special care and attention in this moment. I want to thank you for that, for the ways that, that everybody in the body of Jesus Christ in doing that, and they just seek to follow you and to display your love and the care and the mercy that you desire to have poured out of our hearts for others. Lord, I want to thank you for the way that that's happening and for the way that You're pouring out Your mercy, Your care, Your protection for us. Lord, You're alleviating our fears. You're being our way maker, helping us see our way through this tough time. Lord, I want to give You praise for the way in which You're raising up others. I think of so many different people, oh God, from, from truck drivers who are going down the road who are keeping us, uh, shelves in stores and in other places stocked, grocery workers. I think of police and firemen and emergency first first response people. I think of the medical staff, all the people from, from doctors to nurses to people who are cleaning the rooms, wiping them down to help prevent the spread of this virus. Lord, I want to give you thanks for all of them a rich blessing, and we give You praise for the way in which they're being brave and courageous and when they're stepping up and that You're empowering them and equipping them to, to play a part in helping us get through this difficult time. But but most of all, O oh Lord, I thank You for You and the peace and the presence that You bring. I give You praise for the care and for the way You speak into our lives. And Lord, I pray for, for healing I pray for healing for our nation. So many different ways and aspects that that's needed. From from the actual disease itself, and the stoppage of death and and disease for this pandemic to come to an end. But Lord, so many other ways, economically, emotionally, mentally, and yes, spiritually. God, I pray for your presence and I pray against... All of the things that Satan would seek to do to disrupt our lives and cause us to lose hope. I thank You for You because You are the hope of the world. It is in and through You that all of this will stop. So Lord, we ask for it in Your name and and, in the presence of, of You this morning. Lord, to end those things. And Lord, to be in our hearts, who it is that You are, that You'd help us to open up our hearts to that. And as we enter this coming week, that we would do so with the same faith and confidence and hope that Jesus did as He entered Jerusalem. Even though He knew what was ahead, He also knew that victory was before Him. Lord, may we be filled with that same hope, have that same confidence, that same trust, that same faith in our Heavenly Father. You, the Almighty One, the God of the impossible, the God that can do all things, open our hearts to that truth, help us to live it, help us to be who it is that You indeed created, redeemed, gifted, and called us to be, people of faith, that we'd place our trust in You and we'd have Your peace and we'd have hope that fills us and overflows and spills out in the lives of others around us, might it be. You're a good and a gracious God, and we praise You this morning, and we thank You for the revealing of Your grace and that we know indeed who it is that You are now, every day, and always. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. As we um, get into... God's Word, as I prepare to bring that to you, um, I thought about what this Sunday was in terms of a Palm Sunday. And as I prepared, I I went back and I read um, all the passages that, that spoke into what it is that Jesus did leading up to Palm Sunday, some of the events that preceded it, because it really came into play and, and was a part of what took place on that day, that day that we call Palm Sunday, that we celebrate as Palm Sunday. And, and then some of the things that went into what He did that week, this coming week, as we would have it. And I was struck by something as, as I read those passages and I thought about those events and then I thought about the week that Jesus had. And as he entered into the city, as that day unfolded, there are two incredibly escalating yet divergent realities that were taking place that formed the backdrop or the context in which Jesus entered into the city. The first was this: there was this this wild, uh, crazy euphoria because, because just a. Recently, just before that, uh, Jesus had healed Lazarus just a couple of miles away in the city of Bethany. That's actually where He was coming from as He came into the city. And and that was just another part of who it was that Jesus was demonstrating about the reality of Himself. And so that event, that that raising of, of Lazarus from the dead, this incredible miracle The news of that just spread like wildfire and it created this this tidal tidal wave-like surge of of joy and enthusiasm because people began to realize that Jesus was who He said He was. They were starting to connect with that truth, that He indeed was the Christ, the promised one, the one that had been written about hundreds of years before that they had waited an eager expectation for that he was the one and so so they they were just wildly excited there was all kinds of joy and enthusiasm and so that's what causes Jesus as a because there was question about whether he'd come into the city to celebrate the Passover because of because of something else but when they realized that was happening and Jesus began that journey, it just was a spontaneous outpouring and outbreak of this joy and this celebration. And from the time he got on the donkey a couple of miles away from Jerusalem and started the descent down into it, they were on a hill overlooking it, people just went crazy. They started lining the streets. They had palm branches, why we call it Palm Sunday, and, and ripped them off of the trees, laid out this carpet and this path, a blue-collar um, reception of royalty for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, their King of kings, their Lord of lords. And they threw their cloaks off and they praised. they praised God because they understood He was indeed the Christ. And so there's this incredible pouring uh, arguably the the moment in jesus life that contained the most joy just this powerful thing that was happening and that he saw unfolding before him it was incredible so that, that's one reality that was part of the backdrop and then there was this maybe you recall in the Scriptures, in the Gospels, it records it as Jesus was riding on the donkey and He, he went around a corner and he, he saw Jerusalem. He came around a bend and there it was that He wept. Because he was aware of that other divergent reality. What was happening at the same time, all these people had this outpouring of joy and exuberance, this excitement over who He was. There was this this growing reality that there were those that were embittered, enraged, angry over who it was that He was. The Pharisees, Sadducees. When Jesus knew what awaited Him in terms of the rejection, He wept. He knew that the bitterness that they had in their heart would cause them because they were losing control. They were losing power. People were abandoning what it was that they were teaching and flocking to Jesus. He knew that they would plot in their hearts a scheme to murder Him. And then they would. So when Jesus sees the city, that reality comes to His mind. And it's tough and it's difficult and He breaks down. And as He went into the city and then throughout that whole week, those two realities were at play. Two very different realities for Jesus. People that that were incredibly excited were receiving Him as the Christ and as the Savior. And those that were diametrically opposed to that and opposed Him wanted Him dead. Today, as we head into our Holy Week, there's a lot of similarities. See, we live with people who we have two different kinds of relationships with. Those that are good and healthy and that create a positive impact in our hearts and in our lives and those that don't. Ones that are unhealthy. And as we continue our series, Unleashed, want to bring truth today that will help us free ourselves from those unhealthy relationships so that we'll freely follow Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to open up your heart to the truth that was exactly what Jesus was dealing with as He entered Holy Week. And we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 15, just two verses, verses 33 and 34, and then unpack them and see how that's true. So open up your hearts to His truth. Hear the word of God, First Corinthians, fifteen, thirty-three, and thirty-four. Do not be misled; bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. This is the word of God, when its truth be written in our hearts and lived in our lives. Well, there's a lot there. Um, and we're going to take some time, we're going to unpack that, and when we read those words sometimes, maybe even we we flinch or we have a little bit of struggle with them. But there's an incredible amount of truth in them, starting with this. Let's be honest, um, people influence us more than we think. And not only more than we think, but more than we really care to admit. You know, there's a reason that companies use athletes, that they use stars, they use celebrities to hawk their products. Why is it? Because they know the influence that they have on people in society and in culture. They know that that influence is going to lead, if they have that star athlete or that celebrity hawking their product and saying, hey, I wear this, this is cool, this is great, that people are going to do that as well. They, they want to emulate them. They look up to those people, their role models. And so it's, it works. It works to the extent where people start to wear the same clothes that those stars do. They have that same look. They cut their hair that way. And they even allow, um, because there's a lot of times it's not true, whether it's on, on certain news channels or what have you, that sometimes those people speak as experts on world problems. And so they listen and they hear and they let that influence seep into their hearts and in their lives. And it's not just true of of people that companies are using to sell products. It's true of all the things that you see on that slide and in the screen. There's all kinds of level of influence that people experience through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and youtube in fact uh, and youtube they're called youtube influencers that's an honest statement a reality about what's happening is true and it does so to a degree that i just have to say is is pretty scary because understand that that's true that they have a place they have an opportunity to influence people that are listening and that are following them And we just have to be honest about that reality, even though maybe we don't want to or we don't think that that's true, or at least certainly not to the extent that it is. I could spend a lot of time talking about that. I just want to bring that up to, to open up the door to something that I just want to focus on even a little bit more, and that is to be honest about the way that people influence us who we know who are in our lives. You see those people that hawk those products and people that maybe we see and we hear about on social media or through Twitter, Instagram, again, uh, YouTube. We don't actually rub shoulders with those people. They're not a part of our daily lives, per se, in terms of face-to-face. We don't have intimate and real relationships with them. But there are people that we do that influence us, and they can influence us in a good way or they can influence us in a bad way. And I just want you to think about that as you think about the people that that you associate with, that you're friends with, that you work with. Maybe people that you are just starting to get to know. Maybe people that you've known a long time. And I want you to ask that honest question. How do they influence me? Is it a good influence? Or is it a negative influence? Because it's true, the truth that, that's there in verse 33 Bad company corrupts good character. You know, it's awesome when God brings people into our lives that create a positive influence. And I've been so blessed with those kind of people in my life. I instantly thought of my neighbors who moved in next door to me when I was really young, took me under their wing, had a huge impact on my life. And I think of my father-in-law, who's an incredible example of what it meant to be a man of God, a husband, and a father. Great positive influences. And I thank the Lord for that. But I also know that along the way of my life journey, there were people that came into my life that I knew that were bad influences. People that, that when I was with them or I did things and it just wasn't healthy, it wasn't good, especially for my walk with Jesus Christ. And I had to be honest about that and make choices and decisions just like we all do. But if we can't admit that that's true and we can't look at the truth of, of verse 33 and own it and say this is real, then we have some some real issues to work out even prior to that. But but I think we all know that that's true and that's real. What that verse is saying. And I hope that you think about it. About what God is trying to communicate just in that one verse. And I want to tell you, throughout, all throughout ministry, Um, From the time that that I was a a youth pastor to today, I spent a lot of time talking to people and having conversations about, in part, the truth of that verse. People who've come in and talked to me about things that are going on in their life that that aren't good, that are really sad. And and I want to tell you, there's been this incredibly vast range of experiences that people have opened up their heart and shared with me. I've had a privilege to come alongside of them and and try to help them through it, just led by the Holy Spirit. But things that you'd read about in the paper people who've come to me who've been arrested, people who've who've come to me who've lost their jobs, people who've come to me that had their, their lives and their families torn apart. I'm telling you that that truth, that verse is true, it's real. Because part of the things that emerge, part of the things that become part of their story, when you start to ask the questions, they'll talk about relationships that they had and relationships that they shouldn't have had. And I can't tell you how many different times I've heard that line, I wish I never even met them. It's a reality. Bad company corrupts good character. There's something else that people say when they allude to that truth. When they say, man, I I really messed up. I wish I had never, never went down that road. I hadn't met that person, or I hadn't hung out with them, or did the things that I did. And this—this this is something else that emerges. It's this its this thought, in, in this admittance to saying, "I—I just—I didn't think that I would do what I did. I didn't think that I would go where I went. I thought I was stronger than that. I thought I had the capability not to—not to be influenced that way. That I could say no or resist." And we just talked last week about freeing ourselves from conformity, but that's something that people speak about and talk about, and admit, and that really gives a, a credence to one of the real problems when we think about that truth: bad company corrupts good behavior. See, there's this overestimation of our capability and our strength to say no and not fall into um, trouble and and to let people lead us down that path or or just to, to influence us that way. We have this overestimation of our strength and an underestimation of their level of influence in our hearts and in our lives. It's a real incredible problem. And it's true for everybody of all ages, but it, but it really comes into play a lot during teenage years. And, and young people, if you listen, I just hope you, you give an open heart and an open ear to this. Because that's one of the ongoing conversations. I experienced that a lot, not just in youth ministry, but all the way through my ministry again, where I would talk to, to young people and to parents. And, and you know the scenario and you know the conversations where parents are questioning some of the relationships that you might be having. I mean, I did it with my children. And some of the responses that invariably happen from young people, uh, things that, you know, the eye, the eye roll and the, you know, hey, you know, I can take care of myself. Don't you trust me? I, I got this. I can handle this. I, I'm not going to do something stupid. Famous last words. And maybe it reaches a point when they start talking about their their friends and depending on the number of conversations and the intensity of them, th- things get said like, hey, you can't pick my friends. Or you, know, you don't even know who they are. Those things happen. Those conversations come out. That's one word of caution I'd give to parents when you start thinking about relationships and, and looking at your children's life and, and wanting to help them through that. Be really careful about the decisions that you make and the judgments that you pass because your perceptions are going to be wrong a number of times. And you need to take the care to get to know your your, your young person's friends and who it is that they are before you kind of like weigh in and, and give judgment on that. Don't make those assumptions without validation. And trust your young person a little bit. But on the other side of that, as a young person, you really need to be honest about, about your strength and about your capability to be able to withstand any kind of influence that an unhealthy relationship might bring. And, and the reality is we tend to underestimate that, not just when we're young, but all of the time. And to not just dismiss that truth that, that bad company corrupts good character. It's true. It's real. It happens all of the time. I can tell you story after story. So you need to be honest about that as a young person or, or at any age. This just isn't true for young people, so I'm not picking on you. I know all kinds of older people who made incredibly poor mistakes when they've gotten to know somebody at work or they got a new job or they, they met somebody new. They started to build that relationship, but it was an unhealthy one and it led to all kinds of devastation. See, this is the truth for everybody to understand and to know. And when you find that starting to unfold and happening in your lives, there's that direct correlation and truth to verse 34. Come back to your senses. Wise up. Stop sinning. There's, there's some who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your sin. There's some people who, who who don't have a sense of who God is or don't care. They're not following them. That's not their path. That's not what they're concerned about. That's not what's important to them. That's not what they're pursuing. And, and there will be unhealthy relationships and opportunities for that all throughout your life. And, and you have to walk down there and you have to, yes, you have that saying, "Choose your friends wisely, but the relationships that you build uh, have to be healthy ones. Satan is always working that angle. It's another incredibly powerful tool in his toolbox to bring unhealthy relationships into your life to bind you up, to get you to be distracted, derailed, to not follow Jesus Christ. It happens all the time. He's very good at it. And that's what was happening in the Corinthian church. The church at Corinth, you read all the chapters before, and it... It addresses a number of issues that they were dealing with. So this entire body of Jesus Christ collectively were dealing with unhealthy relationships. There were people that were speaking into who they were as a church and who they were as individual followers of Jesus Christ that were getting them derailed. And so these words of encouragement, this urging comes. Come to your senses. Wise up. God says that to us as we live our lives. Because He simply wants the best for us. You know, it's one of the things that has come out, and I just have to uh, allude to it just just momentarily, uh, about um, building relationships with with people that maybe don't know Jesus Christ. I mean, that's our mission. We see that winning people for Christ. And I know I've heard that, and that's been brought up all kinds of times. Um, to me and by by when I was a youth pastor with my own kids and and people all along the way but God wants me to build that kind of relationship he wants me to get to know them he wants me to come into their lives and and to be an influence that's what Jesus did And, and that's true that's what he was criticized for as well we we read all about that but Jesus was incredibly strong and Jesus was always the influencer And I think that's a question I would ask you to ask yourself when you think about this truth and think about where you're at and how that relationship is going and how it's impacting you. To ask the question, who is it that is really influencing who? And it is a godly influence. Do we have those relationships, either we're being influenced to the good or we're being influenced to the bad. Either people are having a positive and, I would say, hopefully a godly influence in our life, or they're not. It's one or the other. And if you get into a relationship where you want to help somebody, you want to be a role model, you want to be a mentor, you want to be a positive influence in their life, that can indeed happen. But you always have to be in prayer and you always have to be asking the question, who's influencing who? How am I doing at that? Or am I being influenced the other way? And if I am, I need to maybe pull back. I need to rethink this. I need to ask God for more help, for more leading, for more guidance. To be praying it through and to be led by the Holy Spirit. And there can indeed be incredibly positive stories. I have a number of those as well about where somebody has, has stuck by somebody and been an influencer to the good. I, I thought of a young gal. Well, something happened really early on in, in my um, ministry as a youth pastor. The first church I, I served at, where a young lady called me up and said, hey, her name was Lisa, and said, can I, can I meet with you, me and my friend? And I said, well, sure, what's going on? It was kind of an emergency situation, so she said, we need to come over. Can we do that? My wife was home, so I said, Sure. So they they came on over. And here's the story that unfolded. Lisa was really concerned for her friend. And as they came in, and the girl would just look guilt-ridden, couldn't barely look me in the eye. And and here's the story that came out. She, She had a really good job for being in high school. He's a receptionist at a business. But something was going on that wasn't good. Her boss and his wife were were snorting cocaine all day long at work. True story. I'm not making this up. And what happened is she saw that taking place. She knew that it was illegal. And then this is what happened. They invited her to join them. And she did. And it started to create problems in her life. And so she opens up to Lisa, who was her friend. Lisa doesn't say, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Lisa stays on board and ask if she can come and speak to me. And, and I want to tell you, um, God did an amazing work there. And I had the privilege and the opportunity to see her later. See, she she asked that question, who's influencing who? And we, we talked it through in terms of guidance and counsel and she realized that she had to come to her senses just as his first said and said, get out of that situation. She quit her job. She distanced herself from that relationship. Another part of this story is that that within a month after she left that job, police raided the joint and, and arrested everybody there. But not her, because she wasn't there. I had the privilege of running into her at, at a Fourth of July parade a while after that. A couple of years. She was married. And I saw her um, coming through the crowd, and she was with her husband, and they were pushing a stroller, a baby girl. I mean, getting emotional even as I think about it, I see her, and we come up, and we are like almost face to face, and both of us started crying. It really threw her husband off, (laughs) but we just explained that... um, that was her youth pastor at one time. It was just great to see her. But when our eyes locked, um, each of us was thinking the same thing. And we just praised God that, that He had given her the wisdom to make a choice, to realize what was happening in terms of influence. And, and she she got wise. She realized who was influencing you and she, she made a change and she cut Loose that unhealthy relationship. That's a good story. I have other ones that that aren't so good. But I just want to leave you with that truth. That that you ask that question. That you realize what's being said here is, is real and is true. And that you, as strong and as good of a person as you are, aren't above being influenced poorly and getting bound up in that. And going to places that you never thought you would go. Doing things that you never dreamed that you would do. Because Satan's really good. But God is better. And He wants you to freely follow Him. To cut loose those unhealthy relationships. To make a change. So that you can freely follow Him. Jesus had those temptations. He had those influences all throughout His life as well. And He had them going on that week. He had an opportunity to cave in. To capitulate to those influences that were getting him to denounce who it is that he really was and what God, his heavenly Father, had sent him to do. But he didn't. And because he didn't, he experienced victory. And because he didn't, we celebrate next week, Easter, the gift of grace in Jesus Christ that sets us all free for all of eternity. Simply because Jesus chose to follow his heavenly Father To keep his eyes and his mind and his heart set on following him and that relationship. And that's what God is encouraging us to do from day to day, from week to week. Brothers and sisters, I I hope that's true. And I hope you keep that in your heart as we go throughout this week. It's a great challenge. It's tough. It's difficult. But if we're able to cut loose from those unhealthy relationships, we'll experience that freedom in Jesus Christ. And we'll begin to understand more and more that we indeed are who Jesus says we are. And the praise team is going to sing another song uh, about that truth. I am who you say I am. Listen closely to these words as they sing it. says you are. You are loved. And God wants to protect and care for you and set you free to follow him. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, and uh, Kathy for sharing that truth with us this morning. Um, I I do want to say before we um, wrap up the service, uh, you still have the privilege and the opportunity to, to give gifts to help us to continue to be the church. Um, words on the screen in terms of the ways that you can do that. Uh, God is, is using us even in this time of not gathering together to do <clears throat> incredible things for Him. And uh, this is an, a wonderful and a rich blessing to still be a part of that. And uh, I, I just want to encourage you as you head into this week um, to freely follow Him. This is a This is the time of the year. Um, that that people can really uh, see and need to see who Jesus Christ is uh, and again keep up with the uh, with Facebook and our website uh, about our worship service for Good Friday and then for Easter as well. So will you receive God's blessing as we end our time together? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go, be filled with hope and with joy because you know the great Lord your God. Have a great week.